0: Thank you for listening to another edition of the business of fun podcast it's me dave wakeman guess what i'm hitting the road i'm flying the friendly skies i will be going to the ticketing professionals conference in birmingham england from the 16th to the 18th of march that's tpc 2022 at the nec center in birmingham england just across the street from the airport on March 16th, 18th. Get your tickets at ticketingprofessionals.co.uk. It is the best conference uh, in Europe. It is probably uh, one of my two favorite conferences all over the world. Uh, The other one being in Australia. I mean, come on. England and Australia. That's amazing, right? Okay. But come check it out. I talked to Andrew Thomas, who one of the co-founders uh, over or getting close to 500 people signed up from sports, entertainment, opera, performing arts, theater, attractions, all over the place. A sold out trade show and two really, really great keynote speakers, a bunch of really awesome sessions. It looks like it's going to be a real hit. So check it out. Uh, it's the best thing going in Europe this year, I think. So check t- 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 ticketingprofessionals.co.uk. Um, While I'm there, make sure you check me out at the Booking Protect booth. I will be hanging out with Simon and Kat and Kath and Haley, Liam probably, the whole team. I'm going to see if I can do some podcasts from the booth, Uh, but check out Booking Protect. Come by, say hello. Make sure you find me. Get the Talking Tickets newsletter, talkingtickets.substack.com. That's me. Friday morning, uh, four stories and some links and some blurbs, analysis, action items, all kinds of fun stuff. Check it out. Get it. Make sure you visit my new and improved website, DaveWakeman.com. There's all kinds of stuff going on there. There's a store. There's many, many, many things coming up. Now, let me talk about today's episode because today's episode is a little bit unique, right? So uh, this is a recording of a session I did for my buddy Ken Troop's uh, sports management class at SMU. Uh, In this thing, Ken has a guest lecture come in on Tuesdays. I'm not sure if it's every Tuesday, but regularly on Tuesdays uh, for an hour to talk about some aspect. Ken wanted me to talk about pricing and branding. And as I was putting together this thing, I thought maybe it would be be helpful to put um, everything into context, right? So all the stuff I kind of work on. So so I covered a lot of ground in an hour. Uh, We talked about strategy the importance of understanding strategy, how the kids can understand what strategy really means now. We move into brand and brand building. Then we move into marketing. Then we move into tactics, and I close out with some pricing discussion. So I hit all of the big topics. Uh, It's about an hour. Uh, Hopefully it's useful for you. Hopefully it's valuable. There's a QA and a at the end with the kids. Um, but I really like to do these things. I hopefully I, I don't am not like uh, droning on and boring for people. So um, this is my conversation, uh, my presentation to Ken Troop's sports management class, coming to you as a special edition of the Business of Fun. Uh, hey, Ken Troop, in class, how are you? Hey, how are you? You've caught me while I was trying to plug in my microphone, so you could hear me.
1: And your camera. There you are. You're set.
0: There I am. Good show. I figured everybody's like mostly in class, but some people are on Zoom, so I wanted to give you enough time to uh get into class because I know that like if the night after Valentine's Day, if you've done it like I did in college, you probably were out late hanging out. Well, um, really, yeah, no judgment. using in class lightly today, looking
1: at attendance because there's two people on Zoom and not. 37, 36 other people in class. So uh, there's some people that might have been out late on Valentine's Day. So, for sure. So, um, we're just kind of breaking down uh, IOC Russian Olympic skating controversy. The fact that we can't crush a 15 year old's dreams right now, uh, you know, because she's so young. So anyway,
0: you know, I would, I won't touch on that much in my presentation, but I think the thing is, is that if you're an organizing body, you have a, a responsibility uh, to protect minors, but also protect the sport. And I think it's, just has been poorly handled um, for what that's worth. I often fall on the side of like, uh, you know, this, what is it? Socratic method of like doctors first do no harm. And there seems to be harm being done here, but <clears throat> yeah, we can save those questions for after.
1: We can. So this is, uh, we're just gonna dive right in, Dave, and I'm not gonna do a real formal introduction because I know you have an introduction in your notes. This is a friend of mine, Dave Whitman, who's coming in He's live from his home in Washington, DC. Uh, Dave is a long time ticketing um, guy, never really on the property side before on the kind of the agency side, revenue side. Strategy side, um, this is I think david and I really became friends via Twitter. I'm just telling you the power of Twitter and meeting, right? I mean, we officially meet on Twitter and then we've seen each other at many conferences and on some panels and things
0: like that together. But uh, I put his I snuck Ken to- into a conference, don't let him lie to you. I got him in with my one of my passes, don't let him lie. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: the master and never paying for a uh, conference. I always I'm go my way into a free pass somehow. Anyway, yeah, I got one for your friend. It's happy one in the Austin in two weeks, probably. Maybe, maybe. You can make a donation to SMU Sports Management. I can it for you. Anyway, uh, so I put up Dave's bio on Canvas. I put up his notes. He's going to go through. Uh,
0: I'm just going to let you go, in. Okay. Can, can you see my screen now and not me?
1: Uh, no, but I can make you um, presenter so you can share screen.
0: Because I, I went above and beyond for class this morning. I even created slides once I knew we were recording, uh, because I wow. wanted to. Okay. Yeah. Right. Ken knows how how impressive me doing anything with slides is. Right, let's see. Slide, yes. How's that? Can you see the slides now? Uh, no. You see your same mug. My same big head. Okay, then we will forget the slides, and I can share them with you after the fact. It really not matter. It was
1: you. Not going to share screen on the bottom. It didn't work.
0: Didn't work. No. Huh. Let me see here. Shay, basic. You
1: want to and I can share it from my computer while
0: you're talking. I, I can. I'll send it to you. Yeah, this is fair. Now, see, this is kids. How this is how it works it's okay i'll just i'll share them with uh, everybody later it's totally fine oh, okay see all right unless yeah the, yeah because it, it's too it's too much trouble i'm animated enough that it won't matter that you'll you'll still you'll still get the full experience even without the slides i i put effects and like little like dazzles and stuff in there just for fun because um i wanted to uh you know entertain in the first thing in the morning I'm gonna start, but like Ken said, I'm gonna start with a sixty-second, like with like a really short introduction about me because mainly I find these things to be utterly useless and like completely unentertaining for you. So I don't want to do that to you. So the sixty-second overview of me is: I want to refute what Ken said to start with. I actually was on the on the team side for, but but some of the worst jobs ever. Um, I worked with the Dolphins, the Seahawks, and the Sonics, and and if it was an awful job to do, I was the, I was the one who did it. Um, so that was my primary site experience. I helped open the EMP in Seattle. So that's where I, um, worked with Paul Allen, who was a co-founder of Microsoft. And it was the first time anybody really said to me, you know, Dave, you're actually pretty good at sales and marketing. And, and I took that and ran with it. Um, from there, I, I moved then moved to New York city. Uh, New York City, I got really heavily involved in tickets. And that was a lot through the secondary market, uh, through partnerships, and through um, my strategy and my marketing work. Uh, Two primary projects that probably mean more to most people than anything else uh, was I worked with the American Express Centurion Club program on the black card to help deliver tickets to anybody um, anywhere in the world. And I helped uh, use tickets to bring Yellowtail wine to the American market. And both of those ended up being pretty uh, uh, well-received and they made me both money and a reputation that I probably don't deserve at this point, but that's okay. Um, You're you're letting me come speak to class anyway. Um, After a while of doing that, I started my own business that revolved around um, strategy, marketing, brand management, which is the bulk of what we're gonna talk about here. Um, And now I am a worldwide recognized blowhard so I've had the chance to speak and teach and consult with organizations um, all over the world, including the Australian Football League, the National Basketball League in Australia, uh, the Sydney Opera, the Sydney Opera House, um, the National Rugby League, uh, the European Soccer League. So the Championship, La Liga, the Premier League. Um, I've helped work on baseball teams, Madison Square Garden, a presidential election. I helped get the first elected Attorney General. Uh, in D.C. history, elected um, I, consulting business to business stuff, every like thing imaginable. I am a blowhard to no end. Um, and that is probably about 60 seconds. And that's more than enough about me. Um, but what I want to cover today is I want to kind of get instead of talking about just pricing, which can we started when I was first um, talk to Ken about coming and speaking to you, we were going to talk about. And I thought maybe because of the nature of where you are in your learning experience and maybe where you are in your career, it might be a little bit more um, beneficial to you if I gave you an overview of what my day looks like and how um, things play out for me. So what I'm going to talk to you about today, and this is where those slides would work, because then i would be able to do, 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 and they would all do, 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 is I'm going to tell you, kind of lay out what i work on which is strategy and brand management marketing and tactics i'll kind of give you a little bit of overview Uh, some of it will touch on team side stuff or sports specific things some of it'll be just useful for you as you are taking your classes thinking about what classes to take thinking through what areas you should focus on uh, you know some of these things Uh, so the the take-homes today or the things I hope that we cover is I'm going to talk to you about strategy and I'm going to give you five simple steps of strategy that will help you set yourself apart from the regular people who haven't had a chance to learn from me and Ken. Uh, I'm going to talk about brand management and specifically, I'm going to give you four questions that to be an effective brand manager, you need to answer. Uh, marketing, I'm going to give you kind of a three stage framework for how I approach marketing projects. We'll talk about tactics a little bit on the four piece, So product, place, promotion, and price. And then the final thing is I'm gonna teach you a little bit about price since that was what Ken really wanted me to focus on. And it's something that I've become um, really, really well known for over the years, mainly for one phrase, which you actually get a couple of times today, which is discounts for dummies. Is that, um, and it's really tough, but I'm gonna rely on seeing everybody shake their head. Um, Does that sound cool to everybody? If it doesn't sound cool, just raise your hand and I can change the um, I can change the lecture or I can try to can totally filibuster. I don't see any hands being raised there. So unless it's, there's one all the way in the back with the blue sweatshirt on. You're
1: going to hear me talk about discounts and don't discount, don't devalue your
0: tickets and all that. And so yeah, they're. There is an article that has held up remarkably well over six or seven years called Discounsel for Dummies. It has been the the single greatest thing I've ever, uh, a piece of content I've ever created. Um, But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, So I'm going to start out by strategy. And strategy is a pretty, um, the word gets thrown around a lot. And what it really means is pretty simple. Strategy is just about giving your organization, your business, yourself an advantage. Um, You know, if we're talking about corporate strategy, strategy uh, simply the way I learned it and the way I've come to use it is all about understanding why some organizations, some businesses, some ideas succeed and others fail. Um, Ultimately, strategy is about helping making your success repeatable. It should be a, you know, it should be an opportunity to give your business an advantage in the market. Um, It should help you understand, and this is where a lot of my work spends time now, is on helping understand how to create and capture opportunities in every market. Now, uh, the biggest thing, if I can only teach you one thing about strategy this morning, is I want you to understand that strategy helps you make success repeatable. at the beginning, I promised, and really, I'm only going to hit on the really, really top level of these things because I want to give you the last five or ten minutes to tell, you know ask questions. Because hopefully, I'll have done a good enough job of um, providing you something to uh, ask questions about. But I promised you that I would tell you five things, you know, the five-step framework that I use with my clients. And so my approach is really, it's five ideas that help pull strategy together. Because most of the time when you hear strategy, people talk about having a TikTok strategy or having a Facebook strategy or having a strategy for uh, influencers. Those are all tactics. Strategy is about really understanding these five things. It's number one, it begins with having an ambition for what you're doing. Um, you know, you call it the big goal, the big objective, it's an ambition, right? Um, one of the marketing professors or strategy professors and one of the people I really pay attention to a lot, the guy called Roger Martin, Roger was the professor or the dean of the business school at the University of Toronto in Canada. And he calls it, um, you know, he calls it playing to win. And his idea is that you have to play to win. So. I talk about ha- having an ambition for your business. Do you want to, you know, you know what was it? Just when Baby was the Raiders. You know, a sports business professor at SMU, in Ken's case, right? Do you want, does your organization want to be a championship organization? Do you want to be the most profitable in your industry? You got to set a goal for yourself, right? Now I'm working through an organization that I'm on the board with, um, through this exact process. And it's very tough to get people to kind of coalesce around an idea, but it's so important because it drives through all the the next steps of the process. The second stage is market focus, and that is simply like understanding where you will compete in the market. You know, what area of the market are you focused on? Who is your customer, right? Not, you can't target everybody. It doesn't, most of the time it doesn't work. So you have to make a choice. Who are you focusing on? step three is about value why is somebody going to pick you over someone else is call it value proposition call it value whatever the big idea is that you have to understand why people are going to pick you over someone else the fourth stage is resources the system or i mean systems people places um, anything you need to fulfill your ambition to make the focus and value come to life is number four. And then number five, because it so often happens. And this was something that I really ran into early on in my strategic career is you create this really great strategy and then nobody would take action off of it. So you want to make sure you have action plans for everybody. So the five steps are ambition, market focus, value resources and action never forget about the action because you're i'm sure if you're anything like me when you get going you start talking about strategy you're going to encounter so many strategic plans that lead absolutely nowhere because no one ever takes action. Um, that that is a subject that deserves its own entire lecture so does that make sense to everybody so far did i um, offer some value or did i make myself sound like a complete knucklehead
1: not only does it make sense it's a great uh quiz or uh, test question
0: so, right. ah yes good good there will be there will be tests i like this there will be yeah. notes. i ah. i got notes for you so don't worry don't let ken scare you so we'll move on to brand management because brand is really one of those words that gets thrown around a lot um brand management probably gets lumped in there and comes off just as um you know it can become just as confusing so the simplest way I can explain brand and brand management is think of brand as you have um, well, you're in Texas, so this will this will work. Um, you know, you go out there, you got your brand for your and you're gonna put your mark on a cow, right? Because that's like the West, right? Um, you know, I'm in DC, so we don't have cat farms and stuff uh, in the city. Um, but think about it the same way if you were branding a, a, you know, you're a cattle rancher and you're brand branding cattle. You have the opportunity to put two or three ideas on somebody's head Um, and you want to make sure that they come through. Ken and I have talked about this before, because about a year ago, I went through the process of doing this for myself because the pandemic made me think about things I wanted to do, how I wanted to present myself, all of these things. And I decided that the three ideas I wanted people to get when they thought about me was um, focused, effective and profitable. Brand is just making sure that those three ideas are what comes across in everything I do. Brand management, on the other hand, is the process of making sure that happens. And they're confusing. So brand is about the subject, me. Brand management is how I manage this process to make those ideas come across. So brand management is about managing the the perceptions. most conversations end up being misguided because people don't have a definition of what the brand and brand management means. And the the difference is huge because you have to have a brand to be able to manage it. And there's four questions that I use to guide people um, when I talk to them about how they're going to manage their brand. Um, The first question is, who are we targeting, right? So uh, when we get to marketing in a second, I'm going to talk about the three stages of creating a marketing plan. Um, the heart of strategy is a concept that I learned uh, about long, long ago uh, that's called the holy trinity of marketing, and that's segmentation, targeting, and positioning. Segmentation is a map of the market. Targeting is picking a destination. Right? So, the first question to understand how to effectively manage a brand is who are we targeting? The second question is what's our position? so why is somebody picking it goes back to strategy the value idea what's our position why is somebody picking us over somewhere someone else uh, the framework i often use to help people understand um how to make a position a, a good positioning statement is i'll use a classic marketing framework called the three c's and that's customer what does the customer want that i can deliver be- better than the competition and my company can do it now so Customer, I'm trying to make sure you can see the fingers, customer, competition, company. So you wanna give the customer something that your competition can't, that you can deliver on right now. It's as simple as that. And that's the second thing, which is what's our position. The third one's a little bit of an esoteric one until you learn a little bit more about brand management, which I'm gonna tell you what it is though. And it's what brand codes are we using now? if i were in class with you uh, it would be easy for me to show and i'm going to see if i can see anything here uh, ken doesn't use a mac like i do but the apple logo that is a brand code ken what's on your cup uh, okay so that is so the logo is a is a brand is a brand code Brand codes are just representations of the the things that you're going to use in every instance to make sure that you connect the brand to the message you're seeing. Um, In most places, I try to tell people to use four to six different codes. Some people have used as many as eight. Um, Usually, it's your logo. You know, it's you know a logo and three or four other things. Um, You know, I'm working with. Let's see. Let me give you, you a break, good example. Dave, you, little... you can break down sorry? the you can break down the commanders
1: real fast because we talked about that a lot. Like
0: what brand Yeah, okay. We can do the commanders. Right. That's so right. the commanders are okay. the commanders are if you would like to do a case study on not doing brand management and a brand rollout, well, they would be a good example. And for the simple fact that they created the logo is indistinct, right? So that W logo it looks like uh, there's a British company and the name's slipping for me now, but it's very generic. The second thing is, is there are no unique brand codes, right? So unique brand codes, think about this. Um, how many people have ever been to Fenway Park? If you haven't, I'm sure you still know what the green monster looks like. That's a brand code. The green monster is a brand code. Um, actually, uh, you know, the hand operated scoreboard is a brand code at fenway park um think about wrigley field the ivy that is a brand code um think about at the university of alabama um, that's where i went to school the pre-game video with bear Bryant, growling and the elephants that's a brand code um you know so brand codes are just ways that you represent your, your your your, your, your brand value, your core brand idea, Um, you know, the logo, you want it to mean something when it comes across. Um, If you see something, you know, if you see an image of, again, the green monster, you know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about Fenway Park and the Boston Red Sox. If you see a color works, right. So if you see a Tiffany blue bag, right, even without the logo on it, you know that that's from Tiffany or am I wrong? If I if I held up a Tiffany blue bag, which I don't have in front of me here, without the logo covered, would everybody know that one? If you would not raise your hand. So just the guy in the red sweatshirt. So that's pretty good. I mean, that's like Tiffany um, has been trying to refresh their brand, Um, but that would be a pretty that that's a brand code. Um, Think about the pointy ears. Here's here's a comic book one for the uh, you know Batman's ears. That's a brand code, right? So you, these are just things that like when you see them, you connect the image with the brand, right? The, the silhouette of a Tesla, the Model 3, right? That's a distinct brand asset. It is a brand code. I'm sorry? Exactly, correct. The cowboy cool. star, right? All of these things, I mean, I'm trying to steer away from logos and try to stick to sports or things that will be like really, really like relevant in the uh, context of class. But those are all brand codes. And so the third question is what brand codes are we using? And then the fourth one is pretty, pretty simple. It's like, how will we execute? Because everything has to come back to execution. You have to always take the strategy through to the execution because without it, you're going to fail. It's as simple as that. And unfortunately, you see a lot of great strategies fall to the wayside because people forget to take action. Um, does that make sense to everybody? Uh, was, is that helpful? Did it not make sense to anybody? If So raise your hand. It's okay. There's it, it, if, if it did make sense, I failed. So let me know. All right. I'm two for two so far, man. I'm doing pretty good for so early in the morning. This is awesome. All right, so we'll talk about marketing next. And marketing is another one of those things, like strategy, um, that gets confusing for people because there's so many people um, that use, they throw around the term marketing, and they, you know, they use it for because they're trying to sell you some crap, or you know, they, you know, they just, they don't know what they're talking about. Maybe they're not very effectively uh, trained. Um, the simplest thing to remember about marketing, marketing is about selling stuff, right? Uh, ideas, products, services, um, whatever you, you got, you got to move something, you get people to buy something, right? It's just selling your ideas, you're selling your products, you're selling your services, it's not all of this other garbage. If there's not a selling component of it, it's not marketing it could be communications, which we'll get to in a few minutes when we talk about tactics, it could be whatever. The ultimate goal of marketing is to get someone to take action on something that you need them to take action on and buy that product, service, idea. And that's probably a little as fuzzy as my um, definition of marketing will ever get for anybody. Um, so, to me, the biggest thing that uh, there's a couple of big things that I would like to teach you about marketing, but probably the most important and the foundational one because what I'm going to teach you is the three phases of marketing Uh, anybody can teach you the thing that seems to get lost a lot though and it's very important to learn it early because I always knew it I didn't have a language for it when I started out and it probably would have been helpful to under to have the language and understand that it was like a real um, powerful marketing concept was this idea of marketing or a market orientation Uh, it goes by outside in thinking it can go by Um, customer focus and go by a bunch of different names. The idea behind market orientation is pretty simple, though. And that's just really helping bring the voice of the customer into the organization. It's seeing what you're doing through the eyes of the customer. The way I teach it in workshops and seminars and classes like this is that when somebody comes to me with a marketing question, a marketing idea, actually Ken's been on the end of this one too. I've definitely given this one. I go, you ask me any marketing question and my answer is going to be, I don't know. And the the truth is, is that that's what marketing orientation requires. Marketing orientation is simply this process of saying like, look, I don't necessarily know the answer to the question you're going to ask me, but I do know how to find it. And so market orientation it helps you just the idea of understanding that like you aren't your market helps you step back and say, what do the people really want? What can I really offer value to them? You know, how do I find out? And the answer is usually with research, which I'm not going to get a chance to cover a lot of today because I mean, I really only have about 45 minutes or so with you, but research is, um, I'm going to see if Ken can share an article I wrote. Uh, for the ALSD called Backward Market Research and it talks about this three-step process that I use to understand how to make my research matter and how to like not be a complete moron and like fall into the trap of just like getting lost in data and the simple process the the three-step process I use for this is understand what I'm trying to answer right so define the question that I'm looking to get the answer for in my research figure out what's the best way for this stuff to show up and then i design a survey around it right so i don't get trapped in big data i say i need to answer this question i figure out what's the best way that i'm going to see the answers it could be multiple choice questions it could be long-form short-form answers Um, you know it could be net promoter score there's probably a, a thousand different ways you can look at an answer and then I design everything around it and that's what market research or market orientation and market research do for you, which leads into the three phases of a marketing plan and marketing strategy through my eyes. And so this part where market orientation and research is diagnosis, that's stage one. And that's just understanding what the situation you're dealing with is, um, what some of the challenges you're facing, what the market really wants is um, diagnosis. Part two is about strategy. Earlier, I talked about STP. So segmentation, targeting and position. To do an effective segmentation, you need to do your research. It's as simple as that. Um, targeting is about looking at the market based on behavior, because I, I believe in behavioral, not demographics, not um, based on like star sign or anything else. I look for behaviors that drive decisions because um, a classic example that has been showing up on lots of memes on the internet and lots of presentations. There's a great slide from uh, someone in the UK. The name's slipping me right now. Of Prince Charles and Ozzy Osbourne side by side. And if you look at the, just from demographics, they fit the exact. They're the exact same person. Uh, you want to look at behaviors, right? Because behaviors are what makes people buy this buy. It's what differentiates people. It's the most important thing. Um, And so that's how you target effectively, because you want to look for behaviors. You know, what can I do that's going to help make these behaviors come my way? That's part two. And then the final part of the strategy is positioning. The three C's through the strategy, you come up with some objectives, you build a custom funnel, then you move on to tactics, which is part three. And the tactics we'll be leading into in a second, where I will get to the magic hour for ken which is the pricing segment of this presentation the tactics are just the four p's people are gonna and they're poorly trained marketers i can say this without any fear of repercussion the blowback i can take i'm strong enough to do it if somebody tries to sell you on anything that's not the four p's of product price place and promotion it means they don't know what they're talking about right it is just a framework that has held up for a hundred years uh that helps you understand when you're delivering on your strategy that you have all the nuts and bolts in place that you can go on so that's marketing from my point of view that is a huge part of my day um as a professional in either in in sports or just in your career a lot of times you're going to be challenged because people are going to talk about a lot about communications as being all of marketing they're going to lose the Ability, you know, the idea that say, selling an idea or selling a product or service is the most important job of marketing. Uh, they're going to f- chase the new shiny bubble, bubble uh, idea tactic. Um, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to make a joke here. Um, if I'm serious, if I end up hitting the point though, they'll be great. Um, I'm sure that all of you who have TikTok right now um, would not be caught dead on Facebook. Um, and then all of us that were on early on Facebook, um, you know, are embarrassed to say we were on Friendster, you know, so whatever it is, these new things are always going to catch on. They're all, people are always going to be like, well, this thing is going to change everything. And you have to have that diagnosis and strategy section set up well, because those things are always tactics and you kind of you need to know what the tactical, um, explanation of your strategy is, but like get too wet well to tiktok now or facebook five years ago meant that you left a big void in your understanding does that make sense because <laughs> it, it'll if it doesn't it'll make a whole lot more sense when i run through the tactic part
1: it does except i don't think
0: anybody in here knows what register is but get your how about myspace myspace maybe yeah I heard a little more rumbling for the MySpace. Okay. So, so Friendster, I was like Friendster. I told you it was a joke because I was definitely going to make fun of myself. So um, it's never making fun of anybody else, but I maybe Ken, because, you know I've, know, I've known him long enough that um, I can make fun of him and he won't take me seriously about it. But you have to understand, just follow that framework, or at least, you know, even if you're in an organization that, is pushing back on it going like we have to get our email strategy right bro you even walk yourself through the diagnosis the strategy and understand that email is a tactic which will bring us on to the tactic portion of the program um and like i told you just a moment ago poorly trained marketers will try and pull all this fluffy stuff out of the air and they will try to tell you that the six p's and purpose and um you know, like um, psychological, uh, perceptional things that all matter, it doesn't, it, it's its just crap, right? And it's crap meant to distract you from the fact that they don't know what they're talking about. Um, the four Ps have been along, around since Ross or Reeves, um, you know, created them, It's and they still work. Um, you, you know, everybody's trying to make themselves become the next, like, Peter Drucker or something, but the four Ps are excellent framework for you to think through. And it's how you deliver your strategy or your marketing strategy. And there are four of them. So you can commit them to memory. It's product, place, promotion, and price. And I hold back price just because I I promised to give you a little tour of pricing real quick so that like Ken gets his money's worth, which he didn't pay me. So then he's totally getting his money's worth. Um, Let me run through each of these uh, real quick though. Product, this is what you sell, right? It does um, pay to think about product from three angles. And I talk about this a lot. There's three pieces, components of the product that you got to think about. The first one is just think about the core value. That's what somebody gets from working with you in a product price promotion, what the, I mean, sorry, in a um, tangible or intangible way. That's the core value. The second thing is you want to talk about the actual product. So we're sports, um, you know, business class. So we're talking about tickets. We're talking about sponsorships. Well, we're talking about product placement in the stadium, things like that. And then the augmented product, which is often not discussed nearly enough, is everything, right? So it could be the ingress and egress. It could be the experience parking. It could be standing in line to get a beer. Uh, It could be the cost of things. It could be the neighborhood, the ballparks, in, it could be the website experience of buying the tickets. Um, you know, all of that stuff is the augmented product, and it helps to pay attention to all three of those areas um, because you can be as creative within your product design, uh, bundling and unbundling things as you can, as you want to be. There's no limits. The only limits are really mostly uh, people telling you, "Oh, we've always done it that way." So just you know. Be creative. Think through those three phases of the core value, the actual product, and the augmented product, and you'll have a probably a, a better grasp of the product than most people you encounter. The second P that I want to touch on is place. That's distribution. Mm-hmm. At a super high level, we're talking about direct and indirect. And in the relation to the context of a sports management class, um, direct is you're selling directly from your website, your say, your box office, your group sales office. Uh, you are handling it. Indirect is likely going to mean um, you know you're putting the tickets up on uh, a travel site, uh, or you're putting. Uh, they're going on the secondary market. The key thing to remember on distribution is that you want to create a distribution strategy for your organization. You don't want to have it imposed on you. Um, Ken, I think if he hasn't touched on distribution uh, enough. Maybe uh, it would be something that he should come back to a little bit, just because I'd be curious to hear Ken's opinion on this one. A lot of times the teams, they don't have a distribution strategy, really. And what they end up doing is they share their tickets by you know either through consolidation deal or selling them wood brokers. And then they have no control over how their pro- product is marketed and sold and distributed on, out in the world. And so you have to be conscious of how do you want your product to show up to your customers? Would would that be fair, Ken?
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's fair, Dave. We just uh, on Thursday we'll be breaking down the, the distribution panic process of yeah. recklessly diving tickets out the back door
0: to appear to be sold out. Yeah, this is something I could probably go on for about a, a while about, but we you know we only have an hour, so we'll we'll, we'll this one's going to get the short, the, the short end of the stick here. Promotion um, is the third P. This is communications largely this is what too many people think of as marketing. When you talk about marketing, Um, you know, it is very important to keep in mind promotion, right? Because it is how you get your message across. Um, And if you don't, but if you don't do research, you don't do diagnosis, you don't design a good strategy, you don't have all, everything else in place, communications can fall flat. It's, you know, it's one of those things that like, it feels good because it, You see it out in public or you can show it off to your friends and family. Uh, You can talk about it all the time, Um, but it's a small part the way my marketing professor taught me way back in the in the good old days. and i went back and took another class with him during the pandemic it, actually two classes uh is that it's about not nine, nine or ten percent of the process because if you don't have the market orientation if you don't have the strategy you don't have all the other tactics in place your communication strategy is going to fail communications is promotions is very important it's just not everything that you're going to do as a marketer it is just a small portion So understand that when people are talking about ad campaigns or they're talking about getting their stuff on social media or they're talking about all these things, it is a small piece of something bigger. And you need to be effective and to give yourself an advantage in the job market um, and gaining some of these sports jobs is like to understand, it's not to be dismissive of it, it's just to understand the role. Of social media, of email, of advertising, of communications, of PR, of all these communication devices you have, the promotional things, and put them in the right place to help you achieve your strategic goals. Which you've laid out long ago, Um, and you're going to be the only young professional in your group because most of the people that you're going to be around aren't going to think think strategically because most of them, you know, strategy seems to fall to the wayside far too often in people's educations and learning. So that's the third P. The fourth P, and then I'm going to totally nail it to give you about five or six minutes to ask questions, is price. And this saved it just for Ken, the best for last. Uh, Pricing is marketing's MVP moment. Why do I say that? And I've been saying it a lot lately. It's because the price lever is the most important lever that you can push. Um, There's pretty good research on pricing now. And I think this is another one. Maybe if there's a the whole pricing class, Ken would bring me back to debate some of the people who would tell you that, oh, there's all these things you can do with pricing, and I would tell you that they're all knuckleheads. Um, but there's research on this stuff that's pretty clear. For every one percent in price you can you can control or raise, you gain about ten to twelve percent in profit. The reverse of this is true as well, right? Um, there is a great Harvard Business Review study that says for every 1%, and this came from manufacturing, every 1% you lose about 10 to 11% of your profit. I've looked at my work because it's touched a different um, you know group of businesses just manufacturing. And I've found that for every 1% people with a discount, they'll usually lose about 20 to 25% of their profits. And then uh, Mark Ritson uses the example of um, for every 1%, you can lose forty percent of your, of your profit, and you know he he works for many different companies. Um, that's a wide range of loss. What you see though is that when you discount, you lose. Um, you know, so you don't want to discount. So how do you set? How do you set a better price? A better price begins with research. Um, anybody who knows me, anybody who's worked with me, uh, anybody who has anything to do with me knows that I will tell you you have to use research and you need to follow the data Um, people like to think i'm smart about things and i would tell them it's only because i'm smart enough to go look for the right answers Um, but setting a better price begins with research i'm going to give you a couple three four examples of different ways to research and test your pricing so that you can understand because it's just not like a hail mary Uh, you don't just stick your finger in the air and say oh this is how it's going to go down Um, you experiment amazon does a really great job of experimentation Um, if you google amazon price experiments you're going to see like some really some really good price experimentation Um, you can also check out there's a radiohead case study about when they put when they sold in rainbows their album i think it was about 2003 2004 digitally over the internet it was a pay-as-you-go model and the lessons they learned from that Um, the Van Westendorf model is a way of testing pricing. It's four questions. It helps you understand when something seems too expensive, too cheap, um, you know, doesn't seem valuable or not seem valuable. And it gives you like a nice little bubble hole so you can figure out exactly where to set your price. Um, and there's conjoint models. Those are usually pretty like intensive, but you can use them, right? Um, The way I start, usually most of the time with what I'm doing is I try to do some kind of experimentation and I do a little Van Westendor model, if I can, to, you know, get an idea and then later, once my profits justified, I can go into some of these deeper things like conjoint models. Um, One word of warning when you think about something like pricing, make sure you do use quantitative research as opposed to qualitative just because it is easy to um get misleading data if you don't have enough feedback it's you know pretty straightforward um a few different pricing methods because i think that um a lot of times again i'll ask ken because this might be something for reflection later on i think a lot of people think of pricing as like a one-size-fits-all set it and forget it kind of idea is that is that sort of in the range of all right. Or well, it's is, not a very complicated thing that happens. Well, you know what right. what? Kind it's of, kind of like a once like you set it and forget it pricing thing or it's um, it's not a very sophisticated way of the, the price setting happens in most organizations. Yeah, generally it's
1: very, very top level. And just eyeball test, look at it, set it, forget it.
0: You know, I like to say I stick my finger in the air and see which way the wind's blowing. Um, you use what, what works for you. Um, But here are a few different pricing methods. Uh, Again, a super high level, because I want to give you a few minutes to ask questions, but COGS, cost of goods and services. Um, It's easy. It's simple. It usually leaves money on the table and it doesn't usually account for all the costs. Uh, There's dynamic pricing, which is uh, really still should, has plenty of room to catch on. in sports. Sports is, perfect for it. Um, there are some positives and minuses, um, you know, brand loyalty gets detracted from but you capture more in the market. Uh, and then the way I talk about it is value based pricing. And this is one of the reasons that I use research so much, um, especially Ken, again, Ken knows this, I preach about value based pricing constantly because it allows you to capture what is a reflection of the value to the specific customer. It's hard in tickets, but you can still do it. Um, a couple of words of warning before we get to the big uh, the big kickoff of discounts um fight the tendency to underprice you know because in sports that's not near the overpricing thing seems to be a little bit more of a problem but depending on where you're working um because only about 6% of the jobs in sports are on the team side is fight the tendency to underprice it leads to lost revenue it leads to lower profits it can reduce your sales Um, It can lower your brand equity and it opens you up to a price war. And the challenge of a price war is there's only one winner and that person's a loser as well. On the flip side, beware of overpricing because it forces you to miss sales. Um, You'll lose market share a lot of times. Um, It can impact the brand perception and it often can lead to panic discounting, which leads me to my most famous area of expertise when it comes to pricing discounts um i am famous for saying discounts are for dummies um and people hated it at the time yet it has stuck with me they also couldn't tell me i was wrong they just hated it because discounting is this really really um easy to do thing that's awful for your business um discounts do a number of things that will really hurt you they destroy brand equity Right? So they, all of that brand equity you build up through the brand management process, out the door. Discounts destroy profits. Like I told you at the start, it doesn't matter if you say for 1%, you lose 10%, 10% like they did in manufacturing. You take my example of 1%, you lose 20 to 25% of profit. Or you use my marketing professor, Mark Ritson's, 1 to 40. What, what matters is that you lose a boatload of profit when you discount. Um, discounts will hurt your sales. And discounts will train your market to wait. Um, And the thing that stuck with uh, me was like, well, you can't never not discount, can you, Dave? And I go, the truth is, is like, at some point, you may have to discount. I give people a discount if they pay early. Um, you, You know, that's like more of a trade of value. The thing I want you to remember about discounting, though, is that if you ever have to do it, it should feel like a little part of you dies, right? And, that, and that's the way I want you to think about it because it's so easy to push. Ken will tell you there's a whole business, um, a, a whole consulting business in sports ticketing that's built around. If we discount like crazy and we sell people four or five dollar tickets, they'll they'll find out how much they love it and they'll come back for more. And that has, I'm not going to say it's never worked, but um, I've yet to see an example of it really working. Would that be, am I fair again, Ken, in my uh, observation?
1: yeah that just that just all that is is just a constant stream of hooky loos that are there for value or cheap tickets or a throwaway experience
0: and so they don't build any brand equity with your friend all right so five key take then i'm coming in like on time I'm, burn, I'm burning hot here for you today strategy is about understanding why some businesses succeed and some fail The most important thing you want to think about strategy is you want to help it remove luck from whether or not you do well or, you know, you achieve success. Two is brand management is the process of managing the perceptions of your business. Your brand is just those perceptions, those two or three ideas that you're able to stamp on somebody's head. Number three, marketing is about selling stuff, ideas, products, and services. Good marketers follow a pattern of diagnosis, strategy, and tactics. Always in that order, rinse and repeat continually following the process. Number four is tactics are how you deliver on your strategy. Don't let somebody lie to you and tell you that the four P's don't work or that marketing is only communications. It's not, they're just tactics that help you deliver on your strategy. And number five is, the I'm saving the best for last with pricing. Pricing is marketing's MVP moment. Um, if you control the pricing lever, you stand to gain a lot of pr- uh, profit, or you stand to lose a lot of profit if you discount. Every time you give a discount, you should feel like a little bit of your soul dies. That's it. Um, That's all I got. I would love it. Um, Ken probably has a way for you to make sure you stay in touch. You can visit my website, though. It's DaveWakeman.com. You can email me, DaveWakeman.com. You can connect me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, And then there's, some newsletters about sports business and marketing. That if you go to my website, you can there's a box that'll pop up and you can get those. Um, I would say that now that I have been in Ken's class as your professor as well, I am a resource. So don't hesitate to send me an email to ask a question. Uh, I can point you towards a resource. Um, I, you know, do whatever I, I try to do as many of these as I can. Ken will tell you. Um, I try to add value and I try to make sure that I can be helpful to people because I know how hard it was sitting in those seats. And I think it's only probably gotten harder. And so if I can help you be successful, you know, there's nothing I would want to do more. So any questions? Or have I overstayed my welcome?
1: No, no, we're just going to get warmed up. You just got to pick somebody, dude.
0: Just pick somebody out
1: of the crowd. and then
0: we'll. Why can't you really see anybody? All I see oh, is dude. like a little little things can you pick them they'll, answer, they'll ask me questions. All right jack what do you got what
1: questions do you have?
0: Jack come on
1: Jack's about two-thirds out you talked about how during your career you worked for the Sonics you worked for the and two other NFL teams and you said that you got the jobs that like that were offered. Why did you <laughs>
0: and to do that for so long if they were awful. Okay, so I did not do them for very long. (laughs) That's the whole thing. Um, I very quickly decided that like, that kind of grunt work was not for me. Um, There was nothing wrong with it. I was happy to do it. It was just, um, I was doing, so I worked for the Dolphins on game day uh, aspects and like some promotional stuff um, for about two years. And at the same time, I was I was going to school and I was uh, working in nightclubs. I started out opening nightclubs. Um, And so then, you know, so part of it was I was working my way through college. And then for the Seahawks and the Sonics, I was doing again, doing game day stuff. And it was at a time when I had just moved to Seattle and I would say I did it for maybe probably like eight, 12 to 18 months. And it was part of, you know, again, taking some classes. and it was at a time when I was helping open the experience music project for Paul Allen. And so some of the early stages, there wasn't a lot going on. I didn't know any people in town. So I figured the best way to like meet people was like kind of keep myself busy working. So my, my period, like doing some of these really, really awful jobs um, and they're no awful than any other like game day operation jobs were. Um, it was just that like, I was like a 22, 23, 24 year old, a dude the, who, who didn't care about like lugging stuff around and like, you know, getting dirty was all it was. But as soon as I had a chance to like start focusing on marketing and strategy and sales, I took those opportunities and I didn't necessarily go down the traditional path. So it had, so it was hopefully that kind of answers the question, but it had nothing to do with the sports at all. It, and it was just more of like, at the time, those goals fit me. And then as I moved forward, they didn't fit me as well. And I made a change.
1: Dan, what have you learned in those first
0: three opportunities just to
1: be in buildings and to be around fans and sports individuals?
0: What have you learned that you use today? What did I learn that I use today? Okay, so let me give you three things that I learned. Number number one, I, I learned the importance of connection with the fan, right? And I think this will hold up and Ken would probably say, um, I know that like there was a profile about sports tickets a long time ago or maybe last year, the ESPN article that I was featured in that talked about me being the voice of the, of the fan and the customer. And, it, and it's so important. And sometimes it's hard to keep the customer and the fan in, in mind. Uh, the fan gets dismissed. A lot of times I, in my research, the fan feels like, they, you know, they're dismissed. Um, I learned about the importance of the customer and the fan the second thing i i did understand was you know i really it really gave me an opportunity to understand what i was good at and what i was not good at and like what i wanted to do which is not necessarily something about um you know that's helpful in the short term but in the long term it has been helpful, right because i understood that like hey look it's great to do some of these things um and i'm happy to do them but the what i really want to focus on is strategy and brand and marketing and so having that lesson and and in, in widening, widening the base of my experiences, that was super helpful and it taught me a lot because I learned how to be uh, self-reflective. And then the third thing is, is that even within um, the context of doing uh, customer service and game day stuff and like dragging crap around and all these things that I was doing, there's still a a, a bit of sales and service that goes on and I understood how um, important being able to move the money wheel was, right? Because even no matter what you're doing, your job is like always in sales. You're always trying to convince somebody to either do something to give you something um, to provide something for you.
1: So I guess my takeaway to that last point, David, is just maybe you being reinforcing how important every part of the experience is
0: in that fan's journey, right? Oh, absolutely. Correct. Yeah. My definition, uh, or I don't know if it'd be my full definition, but like to go back to the marketing section of this, I would tell you all to keep in mind that no matter what you're doing, everything is marketing, right? Every bit of anything you do, and this is not just sports. So like wherever you find yourself in your career, everything you do is marketing. Uh, You know, not one thing, not one interaction, not one piece of any experience is not marketing. It all matters. And, uh, and keeping that in mind can help take you, um, you, you know, give you more opportunities uh, than you would ever imagine. <clears throat> yes. So you talk about
1: how discounting tickets is a bad thing because you lose profit, but
0: how do you feel about discounting tickets for students? Well, okay, so that's a good question. So how do you, how do I feel about discounting uh, tickets for students? And I would say that like, you don't discount the tickets for the students. The students get their own special price because that's a reflection of value, right? Um, if you're on campus or you're in a thing, you want that energy, right? There is a, um, a couple teams that I work with that have special student. they do special student pricing or special student promotions and they don't call them discounts. They call them, you know, they'll have a name for the student pricing. That's a better way because one of the big things that you'll understand as you go forward looking at pricing is that the pricing on the front end is not as important as what people perceive the the value of was on the backside. So, one of the pieces of research you might find yourself doing over time is called post price perception research. And that's just so that, like, after somebody's gone and spent their money with you, uh, coming, you know, come and hung out at your game or done whatever you want to ask them what they feel about the experience. And this is part of the reason that I have such a um, challenge with some of the pricing models that get thrown around so um, you know, flagrantly. It's because it doesn't manage the post-perception, the post-event perception. So to your question about what about students, I would say you just have a special price for students, right? You show me your student ID and instead of 25 bucks, it's five bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a reflection of, you know, I put a special value on you. I want you to come in because you provide, you know, you provide energy or I want to get you in early and have you enjoy these things. It's um, a way to look at it. That is outside of the States is if you just go to maybe some of the premier league sites, um, Tottenham will do it. So definitely look at Tottenham because I've used this when I've gone to matches with my son in London. They have special pricing for kids that are under, like under twelve or under eighteen, um, you know. And it's not a discount; it's just kids pricing. If the kid's under twelve, this is what they call they charge. Uh, I would view it that way because as soon as you open the door on the discount, you're like, oh well, what else are they going to give me a discount? It's the discount itself is one thing; it's the perception that's the most important thing. Does that um, does that help, or is that like still unclear?
1: Now, let me see if I can add some clarity. I mean, just think about like The price is the price is the price. You want the price to be X for students to set the price as X, right? I think I called you, Dave, like the, the Rangers were going on sale with opening day tickets or their individual tickets for the season
0: mm-hmm.
1: on a Friday, ten am and they sent out they were starting Facebook messaging and targeting people with ads that, hey, what we're do is we're going to this real offer for the first 12 hours of on sale. We're going to give you a discount if you buy in that first 12 hours of X percent off or whatever. And I called Dave just about to lose my mind because I'm like, why are they, before they even got on sale, you're already offering a discount? So just like, you're not, just the D word or that discount perception is just a huge negative, you know, kick kick to the knees, to the shins in your pricing strategy. Because if you're going to offer it for 10 bucks, just offer it for 10 bucks. Don't offer it for 12 and say, buy in the first 12 hours
0: and get it for 10. It's
1: just defeating the whole purpose, right?
0: I would, so to to build off a Ken's point there, I would say that if you said, hey, look, as a special offer to buy early, right? then you just put your tickets on sale for 12 or $15 or whatever it is. You know, for these first 12 hours, these tickets are going to be 10 bucks. Right. And they're never going to be like, you know, or maybe even five bucks because a lot of a couple of years back there were a lot of $5 discount promotions. It's like going, Hey, look, we're going to put all of our bleacher seats on sale. And you could be like any team in the, in, in the country doing this baseball or, you know, like Texas, the Rangers could say, well, we're going to sell all 300 level seats or 400 level seats out stadiums the stadiums. Uh, set up now at five dollars for the first 24 hours. After that, they're never going to be less than five dollars. But you got to be willing to stand by that, right? They're never you're never going to get a better price than right now. And so the, the challenge for discounts is that like no one people might say it, they never stand by it. Right. Um you know because they oh I'm gonna miss out I'm gonna lose a couple bucks to the secondary market or uh, I'm gonna miss the sale or I'm gonna miss all these other things. The biggest challenge that most teams are dealing with is that they manage their brands like morons. And the fact that they don't think that they can subtract brand equity. They feel like um, the term is everybody should kiss the ring still, even though attendance, real attendance is down. Um, and a lot of times it seems like the brokers and the consolidation deals have have ticket sales on life support. And so when you think about pricing and you think about discounts, think about what the perception is and how it adds or detracts the brand equity that you created. Um, to me, opening up pricing for younger, for students and younger people is an addition to your brand equity because there's a, there's again, research shows that getting somebody involved in your organization, in your team, in your sport earlier has huge benefits to the lifetime customer value. I want my first experience to be like going, hey, I went because this was $3. So just think about it, manage it through the perception, right? I'm gonna sell these tickets, this first, these first thousand tickets for five bucks. And then once that's it, that's that's done. Or sell the first thousand for a dollar each, right? Facebook got so much inventory, they don't know what to do with it. Sell the tickets for a buck. If somebody sells them on the internet, Facebook or a StubHub for 20 bucks, who cares, right? You, what it is, is you move those tickets and you never go below that price. Stop is- trying to play a game that you can't. You're yeah. that you're you're not even sure you're playing.
1: The, the play the trap, game you're in. Trap, Dave, right there. What eighty percent of or whatever the number is is like instead of just here's the price and here's the offers that are going to be offered with that price. They're saying here's the price and then the next day they go, oh, but here's all the discounts you can get on, on top of that price. Yeah. Whatever. It's just cart before the horse. It's okay to have offers, you just have to set the offers and the, the the we do that all the time, and it works. We can buy early, get X off or whatever the percentage is. But it's you have to then you have to announce all those things before you lock in and set your prices. But what happens is teams go, here's all our prices, here's everything, and then they start offering throughout the seasons, peppering in because they lose eight games in a row. Like, oh crap, we got to figure a way to get tickets sold for this Saturday because I got to sell out. You know, and then they start to offer.
0: It's not part of the strategy. Short story Yeah, I was going to say it's it's the challenge of that you're always going to fight. This is like if maybe I don't know. I feel like there's a hopefully there's a bunch of stuff you took from this, and I keep saying, oh, if you take this thing, because maybe it's uh, I've learned a little bit over the years. Keep in mind that you always want to put strategy before tactics. Um, You know, it's it's a it's a um, it's an unfortunate reality of the industry that too often tactics drive everything. And what happens when you're so tactically driven is that that it feels good to discount because you, at least you're doing something, right? It feels good to throw out a promotion because you, at least you're doing something, right? Um, it fee- you know, feel like you're creating flexibility for yourself, right? by not planning out your pricing and your promotions in advance, right? It feels good, but what it really does is sets you back. And the, and the reality of, of, you know, psychological studies of this, of like mar- of, of marketing has done is that when you start discounting, right, which is like a sign that you don't have a strategy. That's like my number one sign that you don't have a strategy is when you go crazy with your um, discounts is that it takes seven to 10 years to mentally reframe the conversation. So for seven to ten years after you start pricing discounts, um, discount price-based promotions, it's gonna t- you're gonna be a, a discount brand in people's heads. You're gonna fight that perception for the better part of a decade.
1: I have one more question, but let's see if there's any other questions, Jack. Uh, <clears throat> here at SOU we have a big problem with getting well, uh, lots of people into events. I'm not sure if it's thinking it sales. Or show them I think things
0: all student tickets. How would you get more students and people into uh, games here? How would you get more students into games? I mean, I'm not going to have a really great answer for you because, you know, there's going to be a lot of context involved in this. I think, though, the first thing is you got to look at, like, you got to do some research around why, what people are doing besides going to the games that's the first thing because you want to know why people are choosing to you know maybe you know are are they choosing to study are they choosing they have a job off campus Um, are they going to the movies are they netflix and chill Um, you know what are they doing because you need to know what that is to begin with the second thing from there is like going if you know why people are not choosing not to go to a game you know, what can you do to change that, right? So you use that sort of uh, positioning statement, right? So the three C's, what can we do for the for the students that all those other options can, that we can deliver on right now? You know, and you go right through that and then you execute cute on what you find. You know, so again, it's like diagnose the situation, follow your strategy, and then you develop some tactics to discover it. To give you specifics, I don't mess, I'd have to do a little research. And that's like you know, that's usually the answer to everything. It's like start there and figure out what's really going on. Does that help Jack?
1: One of the biggest issues, they have barrier to fun issues here, right? Barrier to experience. A lot of times they have late afternoon games. But this crowd, this crowd's very conditioned to come and leave at halftime, go home, nap, get ready for the boulevard tonight, or not be up, but but uh, you know, um university boulevard or whatever at night, like to go out, right? So but and they don't make it easy for people to make games, in my opinion, to have. They don't have a lot enough cash, portables for beer and stuff like that for those that can drink. They don't. They don't make the experience of games enough
0: fun, really. And that would be that would show up pretty pretty right away with your research, right? And and like to Jack's question, you know, I'm sure if Jack's thinking through it the way I I would try to think of, it, or maybe I think through it with experience, is like so if I'm thinking about through it from my own experience, it looks like Ken saying where it's like not easy to go. The times are inconvenient, blah, 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 like all those things. So then the next question is go, maybe I'll talk to a couple of my friends and figure it out. Right. So I can kind of develop a hypothesis. Seems great. Then maybe if the athletic department would have a little focus group and go, why aren't the kids going? Right. Why aren't the kids coming to the games? And then they would have an idea and then you can, you can resolve, you know, you can resolve the issue then. And that would be the way that like, you put strategy to action. One last question. Research to action, sorry. Anybody else?
1: I think, hopefully, some people in here have already signed up for your newsletter date, because I think it was on my recommendation earlier. And i definitely tweeted stuff. And you can definitely, anytime you want to give us a quiz question, just use our hashtag for the class. Anything on the hashtag is
0: They'll open for a quiz, so. Oh, yeah. I'll drop some secret, some secret notes in from today's lecture.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, any last questions? All
0: right, thanks, Dave, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for humoring me and listening to me. I hope it added value. Again, don't hesitate to use me as a resource.
1: Definitely don't hesitate. And I, I love your notes. All his notes are up on canvas. Like it's a quick start guide to all the BS that, you know, marketing and this and that. Like these notes are just streamlined, like cuts right to the board. But as a professional marketer in sports, you follow this guideline, you're, you're going to be ahead of a lot of people. So,
0: yeah. I, I yeah. Thank you for that, Ken. And I would t- totally uh, second that because the truth is, is that. Unfortunately, you're going to encounter a lot of people who aren't trained in the jobs they're doing and that's not like to put them down. It's just like a reflection of reality because everywhere I go, most of the marketing people aren't really well trained. Most of the strategy people have never been trained in strategy. Um, Most of the brand people have not been uh, trained in branding. So even the little guidebook and notes that I've given you is more training than a lot of these people have. So trust your knowledge, right? find good resources and you know and and don't be afraid to like stand up for your ideas but that's a good one thanks again for having me thanks dave tell me what you thought about my guest lecture to ken's class by sending me an email is my name dave at dave wakeman.com check out my website dave wakeman.com make sure you come and see me at the ticketing professionals conference in birmingham england on the sixteenth to eighteenth of March, get your tickets at ticketingprofessionals.co.uk. Tell them I sent you. Um, I will be hanging out at the Booking Protect booth. Uh, I cannot miss the opportunity to hang out with my friends Simon, Kat, Kath, Haley. Uh, hopefully, the whole team will be there. Uh, it'll be great to see everybody. Vicky, Vicky always brings me great presents. It's great, Vicky, if you're listening. More presents, please. Uh, But check out Booking Protect, bookingprotect.com. Find out how you can offer your guests uh, refund protection. Uh, just like the Sportico article talked about, uh, refund protection has become more and more important for people as the tickets have gone on sale from the pandemic. Uh, the more uncertainty, the more uh, challenges in the world, the, uh, every time there's like a hiccup with the virus, uh, all of that stuff adds up. and makes people look and yearn for refund protection and peace of mind that they can get from having uh, even something as simple as refund protection to protect the purchase of their tickets. Uh, make sure you check out the Talking Tickets newsletter. It's at talkingtickets.substack.com. Four stories and a section with blurbs and ideas. Each Friday morning, it uh, probably is one of the more popular things I do. Uh, it gets read around the world. It's great. Talkingtickets.substack.com. Get that. Uh, I think I mentioned it at the start, but I'll mention it one more time. Plug, plug, plug. Right? Codify, codify, codify. Uh DaveWakeman.com You can get newsletters You can find blogs You can find all kinds of stuff there uh, There's a store There's going to be a whole lot of crazy stuff going on As we get more and more Into some sort of normal routine uh, And figure out what this next normal looks like Okay um, As always I thank you so much for being here uh, There's still so many challenging things going on in the world If anybody needs me Just need somebody to talk to I'm ugh, Hopefully I can be here for you You know Send me a note uh, send me an email, give me a call, whatever. Uh, don't feel like you have to go through any of this stuff alone. I'm here for you. Okay. But until next time, I thank you again for taking the time to listen, for paying my stupid, stupid, stupid stuff attention. I mean, mostly that's just my my lack of seriousness about most of this stuff. But thank you so much for paying attention to me and my ideas and my work Uh It makes this worthwhile. Hopefully you find it valuable. If you find the podcast valuable, share it, review it, rate it, do all those things. Share the newsletter, share the blog post. It's really one of the best ways that I do to continue to grow my business, to drive uh, more people paying attention to the podcast and the newsletter and everything else. And I can't thank you enough because it just means the world to me. Okay, until next time, I will see you soon. Be safe, be careful, take it easy.